Jesus Christ. We will never stop talking about Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. In the last two weeks, I met a 24-year-old girl who said at the age of eight, she became a fetish priest. But then she said at the shrine, there is a Bible, but you don't talk about Jesus Christ there. Even though there is a Bible, don't mention Jesus Christ at the shrine. They are talking about one world religion. But don't talk about Jesus Christ at that forum. When the Freemasons meet, there will be all the discussions about God. But don't talk about Jesus Christ. But for you and I, For you and I, we know without Christ, we are nobody. In fact, First John chapter 4 verse 14 says, He is the Savior of the world. So whether at the shrine, you won't talk about Him. Whether at the UN level, whether when the Freemasons meet, He's the savior of the world. And the shrine is in this world. The UN is in this world. The Freemasons where they meet is in this world. Our God made them. If they refuse to recognize him, you and I, we are declaring that he's the savior of this world. There is no argument There is no doubt. He is the savior of this world. And something ask yourself, how can a man say he will not recognize Jesus Christ? How can a man say he will not recognize Jesus Christ as the savior? Who will you recognize? That is why tonight I'm excited about how we are going to be treating between now and these many weeks coming. Don't miss any of the sessions. Because we'll be talking about Jesus Christ. The name that cannot be mentioned at the shrine can be mentioned here. That name can be mentioned at your family altar. And brethren, let's be proud about Jesus Christ. Is it because... We don't know what is done for us. I believe that is why some of us are still shaky. But tonight our topic is Jesus, our Savior. You believe he's your Savior? Jesus, our Savior. Who is the Savior? And it simply means somebody who saves you. From harm or danger. So I'm saying to myself, those who don't want to see Jesus as a savior, they don't want to mention his name, doesn't mean they don't know the state in which they are falling. Are they saying they are in no need of Jesus Christ? But you and I know 
that even in Genesis chapter 3 verse 8, man himself, after he has sinned, had to run from our Lord Jesus Christ. There was a sense of guilt. God was not chasing them, but they were running away. Then in Genesis 3:24, God himself drove them away. Because of sin. And Romans 3:23 tells us that the wages of sin is what? Death. But then you and I should know the state in which we find out. We are in a certain state. We ourselves are running away from God. God had driven man from the garden. Man had sinned. And God said, the price we have to pay for that sin is death. Eternal death. And Matthew 25, 41 will tell us, when you come to that state, you are thrown into hell. If this is where man finds himself, and you say you don't need a savior, then indeed I think people don't know where they are standing. People don't know where they are standing. They don't know what hell is. That is why people sometimes can dare God and say, take us to hell. But for some of us, even standing in the kitchen for five minutes, we bless the women. But if you can dare God, it simply means we don't know where we are standing. We don't know where sin has taken us. How sin has drawn us away from God. How sin had deprived them from blessings. And there was guilt. But I'm saying tonight that if we know where we are, or where we stood, we'll run for our Lord Jesus Christ. Tonight for this teaching session, we'll be concentrating on the book of Hebrews. We'll first, we'll look at but even before we get there, one will ask yourself, so if I have fallen, if I have run away, is there any other option for man? Isaiah 64, 6 tells us clearly that our own righteousness is like what? Filthy rags in the King James. So our own righteousness cannot make amends. If we want to attempt to obey laws in Galatians chapter 3 verse 10. Let's look at Galatians chapter 3 verse 10. Even for those who are meticulous. If you want to obey law, he says that. Give me the King James please. King James. For as many as of the works of the law are under the curse. For it is written... Cursed is everyone that continueth not in all things which are written in the book of the law to do them. So under the Azar, our own righteousness cannot take us anywhere. If we say we want to continually live by the law and make sure that we are living within the law, he says that we cannot. 
and even that it is the case. Hebrews 9.22 Hebrews 9.22 says that And almost all things are by the law purged with blood and without shedding of blood there is no remission of sin. So our own righteousness cannot do anything. Trying to obey the law will not do anything. Probably it is the shedding of the blood. But it, brethren, it is not every blood. The blood of animals didn't do anything. The blood of ordinary men, you and I, cannot do anything. It will only take the blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. And that sets him apart. That sets him apart. So like I said, we'll be concentrating on Hebrews 9 and 10. We'll start from Hebrews chapter 9 verse 11. And that is where you see the difference between Christ, our Savior, and any other attempt to bring us back to our Lord Jesus Christ. But Christ being come an high priest of good things to come. Is that getting me here? There is always a timing. There's a time that Christ came in. Before then, this couldn't happen. But Christ being come an high priest of good things to come by a greater and more perfect tabernacle not made with hands. That is to say, not of this building. Prior to that, the high priests were dealing with an earthly tabernacle. By the time of Christ, the true Savior, the one who truly can save us, is a different situation altogether. Hallelujah. In the next verse, neither by the blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood, he entered once in the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption. Let's stay on the verse 12. Prior to that, it was the blood of animals. And I'm saying that blood of animals. It didn't meet the requirement to pay for our sins. Let's stay on the verse 12. That is why he said, neither the blood of goats or cows, but by his own blood, he entered once into the holy place. The priests who were sacrificing the animals for us couldn't go to that holy place. But our Lord Jesus Christ went straight to the holy place where the mercy seat is actually located. The ordinary priest couldn't go that far. There was a limitation. And what did he obtain? He obtained an eternal redemption. Before then, there were annual sacrifices. And there's a difference between an annual sacrifice and an eternal redemption. Hallelujah. Verse 13. For if the blood of bulls and goats 
and the ashes of heifer, sprinkling unclean, sanctified to the purifying of the flesh. Verse 14. How much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spots. We're talking about the blood of Christ that can redeem us. And he says, it purged your conscience. You see, the earlier blood of the animals, it didn't touch our conscience. It didn't touch our hearts. It didn't touch our dead works. But the blood of our Lord Jesus Christ, he said, it pays your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. And because the blood of the animals doesn't touch our conscience, people continue to do dead works. That is why even in church today, if people are still just looking at rituals, rituals, if you are paying attention to rituals, it doesn't deal with our dead works. It doesn't help you to serve the living God. Our conscience must be dealt with. Then we can serve the living God. And it will only take the blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. Without the blood of Jesus Christ, you can even come in Give your sight. Give your offering. But your conscience is something else. But if we can come down and accept that Christ is our Savior, He will touch your conscience. And brethren, if we say we are coming to Christ, let's come to Christ. Those outward things that they did didn't take man anywhere. Let Christ touch your heart. When Christ touches your heart, those dead works will come to an end. And then when the dead works have come to an end, you can serve God in a much better way. You see, if you want to serve God, let's serve God. Let's come into the presence of the Almighty God that we have come. We have not come here to mark a register. We have come here to serve God. And we must serve this living God with clear mind, with a clear heart. Hallelujah. In the next verse, and for this cause, he is the mediator of the New Testament, that by means of death, for the redemption of transgressions that were under the first testament, they which are called might receive the promise of eternal inheritance. Hallelujah. Oh, Heavenly Father. And let's look at the verse 18. Let's John the 16 to 18. Whereupon neither the first testament was dedicated without blood. Hallelujah. We're still talking about blood, but it must be the blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. My blood won't do anything. Your blood will not do anything. The blood of the biggest elephant will not do anything. The blood of the biggest cow will not do anything. Tears 
Rivers of tears won't take you to God because God is not just emotional. No matter how far you can cry. You know, sometimes when you go to some of these funerals, some of the women, the way they will cry, gigi, 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 no, no, no. Those tears doesn't move God. Those tears. Because God knows our tears at funerals that we don't mean it. We didn't go to mourn. Even though some even hide people to cry. So rivers of tears doesn't move God. It doesn't bring our sacrifice anywhere. Tons. Seas of blood. If it's not the blood of Jesus Christ, it doesn't do anything. Mountains of offerings doesn't move God if it is without our hearts. No matter the hills of incense, it doesn't do anything to God except the blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. So whether if we go to certain places and they don't want to talk about Jesus Christ, let's be proud of our Lord Jesus Christ. I think that sometimes we are too gentle. You know, when we went to, we go on these crusades, the northerners have a certain stance. He said, Obe Bodam Ama Yesu. Obe Bodam Ama Yesu. Yeah, they are crouching for you. I said, So, Bodam Ama Yesu. Then we can say that Jesus is truly our Savior. Hallelujah. In the Hebrews 9 24, Hebrews 9 24. For Christ is not entered into the holy places made with hands, which are the figures of the true, but into heaven itself, now to appear in the presence of God. Again, a wild difference. He appeared in heaven itself. And now that is there, the power and the penalty of sin is broken. The verse 25. Nor yet that he could offer himself often as the high priest entered into the holy place every year. This was not an... In fact, the annual practice even reminded you of your sin. It only covered the sin, but the blood of Jesus Christ removed the sin. Hallelujah. In the verse 26. For then must he often have suffered since the foundation of the world. But now once in the end of the age has he appeared to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. What else do we need? He's paid for the price of sin, the penalty, and sin itself. What else do we need? In the verse 28, for Christ was once offered to bear the sins of many and unto them that look for him shall he appear the second time without sin unto salvation. Give, please give me this verse in the Amplified Version, the Hebrews 9.28. In the Amplified, Hebrews 
Even so, it is that Christ, having been offered to take upon himself and bear as the burden of sins of many once and for all, will appear a second time. And listen to the part very well. Not to carry any burden of sin, nor to deal with sin. But then let's know this part very well. Christ has paid for the sins. And the part that he says, he's coming again, he's not coming to carry on a burden of sin, nor to deal with sin again. And for me, this is a very serious part of this verse. Christ has paid the price already. In full. It was not a past settlement. There's no other warrant to demand any payment to be made. He's paid for all our sins. The penalty has been paid. So he's not coming back to deal with sin. So he says not to carry any burden of sin. Not to deal with sin. Burden you and I. Before Christ comes, or he calls us, if I have not dealt with my sins, and you are still under the dominion of sin, Christ says, he is not coming for the second time to deal with you. He is coming to deal with those who are ready and to go with him. Hallelujah. So if at this point in time, you still don't see that your price has been paid, your sins has been paid for, his second coming, is not going to deal with our sins. Hallelujah. So if, after we said we've given our lives to Christ, sin still has dominion over us, then there's a controversy with God. If sin still reigns in us, there is a problem. Time is not on our side. Because he says he is not coming to carry any burden of sin again. You know, there are sometimes you come into contact with people, they tell you, This sin I have dealt Maya and Co. If the blood of our Lord Jesus Christ cannot deal with that sin, I don't know what else can deal with it. And Brendan, let's not take it lightly. Because Christ, Hebrews has made it very emphatic that Christ is not going to come back to deal that burden of sin. It was burdensome. He took it to the cross. He dealt with it. And he said, it is finished. Let it make a meaning in our lives. That the amount has been settled. The debt has been paid. The guilt has been cancelled. Once and for all. Let's not therefore continue to live in sin. I'm throwing the challenge to you and I. What is the portion in, that, in it for us? If Christ has paid it all. We cannot continue to live in sin. Hallelujah. Because he is the true savior. After him, 
there's no one coming. In fact, when we move into the Hebrews chapter 10, there's an interesting conversation that even settles the matter more and brings finality. Hallelujah. In the Hebrews chapter 10, we'll start from the verse 3. It says, but in those sacrifices, there is a reminder of sins every year. And that is all we have put behind us. The verse 4. For it is not possible, again this for re-emphasize, it is not possible that the blood of bulls and goats could take away sins. Then the interesting dialogue between Christ and the Father begins. Let's take the NLT for this interesting discourse. The NLT, Hebrews chapter 10, verse 5. That is why when Christ came into the world, he said to God, you did not want animal sacrifices or sin offerings but you have given me a body to offer. Hallelujah. Christ, let's stay on it, the verse 5. Christ said, you did not want animal sacrifices. In fact, this one, he's even quoting from Psalm 40, verse 6 to 8. Later, you can look at Psalm 40, verse 6 to 8. He said, you did not want animal sacrifices or sin offerings, but you have given me a body to offer. And then there is no other body but the body of our Lord Jesus Christ that was offered for our sins. Hallelujah. That is why he is the only Savior, the one and the only Savior, and there is no challenger. Hallelujah. In the verse 6, for in burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin, you had no pleasure. Still on the NLT, please. Hebrews 10 verses in the NLT. You were not pleased with burnt offerings or other offerings for our sin. So still on the issue of sin, Christ in his conversation with our God, Father, says, you were not pleased with burnt offerings or other offerings for sin. Verse 7, still in the NLT. Then I said, that is Christ again. Look, I have come to do your will, O God, as is written about me. In the scriptures. If you are in doubt and you want to go, let's look at maybe we'll come back Psalm 40, verses 6 to 8. Psalm 40, verse 6 to 8. It says, We take no delight in sacrifices or offerings. Now that you have made me listen 
I finally understand you don't require burnt offerings or sin offerings. Verse 7. Then I said, look, I have come, as it is written about me in the scriptures. Who else has the Bible recorded anything about except our Savior and our Lord Jesus Christ? Hallelujah. Verse 8 says, I take joy in doing your will, my God, for your instructions are written on my heart. I believe we are all taking lessons, even from the life of Christ, if we truly want to serve our Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. So back to the end in the Hebrews chapter 10. I think we're on the verse 5 or 6. Hebrews 10. So he says, that is why when Christ came into the world, he said to God, you did not want animal sacrifices or sin offerings, but you have given me a body to offer. Verse 6, you are not pleased with burnt offerings or other offerings for sin. Verse 7, then I said, look, I have come to do your will, O God, as is written about me. In the scriptures. Verse 8. First, Christ said, You did not want animal sacrifices, or sin offerings, or burnt offerings, or other offerings for sin. Nor were you pleased with them, though they required by the law of Moses. Verse 9. Then he said, Look, I have come to do your will. He cancelled the first covenant in order to put the second into effect. There is no challenger. Christ, the prophet, has spoke before he came. It has been written into the scriptures. If he is not a savior, then who else? There is no answer to Christ. Hallelujah. Verse 12 of verse 11. Under the old covenant, the priest stands and ministers before the altar day after day, offering the same sacrifices again and again, which can never take away sins. That is why you go to the ultimate, and the ultimate is our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. And listen to the verse 12. But our high priest offered himself to God as a single sacrifice. A single sacrifice. And it was enough to deal with sin. Good for all time. No expiry date. Good for all time. If Christ doesn't come, even the children who come after us, it still stands for surety. And the interesting part for me is that then he sat down in the place of honor at God's right hand hand. You know, for those of you who watch boxing, when somebody is knocked down and he sits down, he's been knocked down, even though it's from, you are knocking it down. But where Christ sat, he sat on the throne at the right hand of the Father. He sat at a place of honor. He didn't sit down as the champion. 
And for me, that tells me he has dealt with it and he's truly a savior. Not a man who has been knocked down in the ring and is sitting on the canvas. And it's not easy to sit at the right hand. If you understand protocol, the highest person sits next to the king of kings at the right hand. In the verse 13, there he waits. You see, he has completed it. So what he is doing in the verse is that he is waiting for his enemies to be humbled. Already Colossians 2.15 tells us that, I think Philippians 2.15 says, he is what? He has made a public show. But here he is saying that there he waits until his enemies are humbled. It is only when a man has defeated his enemies that he says to wait. And Christ sat waiting for his enemies to be humbled and made a full stool under his feet. Is there any person like that? There is none but our Lord Jesus Christ. So if Jesus is our Savior, he is truly our Savior. There is none before him and there is none going to come after him. There is no question about what he has done for us. In the verse 14, for by that one offering, he made perfect those who are being made holy. Those earlier bulls and bullocks didn't touch our holiness. But the blood of Jesus Christ touches our holiness. I have spoken of the fact that from Hebrews 10, 5 to the 13, there was this interesting conversation between our Lord Jesus Christ and His Father. In the verse 15, the Holy Spirit comes in to testify to that conversation. So in Hebrews 10, 15, He says, And the Holy Spirit also testifies that this is so. And yes, sir, I'll say, and no, 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 it is so. For he says in the verse 16, This is the new covenant I will make with my people. On that day, says the Lord, I will put my laws in their hearts and I will write them in their minds. This is clear. <clears throat> the verse 17. Then he says, I will never again remember their sins and lawless deeds. You remember at the time when the high priest was offering those animals every year, we were reminded of our sins. But here, he says, I will never again remember their sins and their lawless deeds. This is heavy. And it is only our Lord Jesus Christ who can do this for us. Hallelujah. In the next verse, And when sins have been forgiven, and there is no need to offer any more sacrifices, what is left? Matter is settled. It makes him truly 
our Savior. Remember we read in Hebrews 9, 28, He is not going to come back and deal with sins. And Hebrews 10, 18 is saying, There is no need to offer any more sacrifice. The matter has been settled. This is how far Christ has come and has done for you and I. We should be excited about our Lord Jesus Christ. For the things he has done, the things he is doing, and the things he is about to do more. So for me, the issue is, if Christ has dealt with all of this, you and I, what again is left? In Titus chapter 2, verse 11 to 13, remember, for emphasis, I said, Christ is not going to come back again to deal with sin. So for you and I, if we are still groveling with sin, we need a lot of prayer for God to deal with our situation. For Titus is saying that for the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. What Christ has done, where he said the matter is concluded, forgiveness of sin, sins will not be remembered. He says this grace that brings salvation has appeared to all men, all women, high or low, whether they are from the north or the south. Wherever continent you are coming from, no matter the gravity of your sin, he says this grace has appeared. It's not hidden from any man. It has appeared to all of us. No matter your time zone, this grace has appeared. Because our Savior and our Lord Jesus Christ has dealt with it. Hallelujah. Then in the next verse, what does it do? It is teaching us that we can deny ungodliness. Worldly lust will be taught. God will teach us. This grace will teach us. If you have no teacher, the grace of God is available. So there is no excuse, my brother, my sister. I don't have any excuse. You do not have any excuse. This grace has appeared to every man. And he said, there is a teacher. He will teach us to say no to ungodliness. Teach us to say no to worldly lust. And then you should live. he will teach us how to live soberly. Teach you and I how to live righteously. Teach us how to live godly in this present age. It is available. It is not for sale. There is no price tag. Thank God you don't have to pay any price for this teaching. If only you can sit down and say, Lord, teach me your word. Lord, teach me. I am struggling with a certain sin. Teach me. I believe the Lord will show you mercy. 
if there is a certain sin we are grappling with, he says he will teach us how to deny ungodliness. It has come. It has appeared unto all men. Hallelujah. In the next verse, because you teach us what is left is that then we are looking for that blessed hope of the glorious appearing of our great God and the Savior, Jesus Christ. It has appeared. It's available. The gospel is available. The teaching is available. In your room, if only we can make time. There are sometimes you hear some people's testimony. He said, I was always reading the Bible. Just reading the Bible, no preacher. I was only reading the Bible. And when I got a certain verse after that, it turned my life around. A verse. And one of the greatest men who have written on holiness. A former bishop of Liverpool. J.C. Ryle. He said, when I got to Ephesians chapter 2 verse 8, it changed my life. It changed my life. When the grace appears. When the grace appears. It will change my life. It will change your life. That's why I say, brother, we have no excuse. COVID or no COVID, there is grace. And as it teaches us to live a godly life, we then begin to look for that blessed hope. And that blessed hope is coming soon. Soon and very soon, that blessed hope will materialize. And if you need power, Second Peter chapter 1 verse 3 will give you that divine power to let you live a godly life. Yes, I think it is right. So his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue. So the grace has appeared and the divine power is available. So truly you and I, we have no excuse. Because our Lord Jesus Christ, the Savior whose blood was shed, is able to deal with every sin. If only we are willing to let our sins go. It's available. Hallelujah. So our Savior has dealt with sin on our behalf. There are three or four other areas that I'll quickly mention, which I believe our Savior truly came and showed that He was a Savior. He came to save us from the corruption of life. In Titus chapter 3, 
verse 3 to 5. And here, please, let's look at the amplified version. Because I think that sometimes when we don't have the meanings, we don't even think about what we are reading about. The amplified version, please. For we also were once thoughtless. And please look at the words carefully. We, for we were also once thoughtless and senseless, obstinate, and disobedient, deluded, and misled. We too were once slaves to all sorts of cravings and pleasures, wasting our days in malice and jealousy and envy, hateful, hated and detestable, and hating one another. Verse 4. But when the goodness and the loving kindness of God our Savior to man appeared, verse 5, He saved us, not because of any works of righteousness that we had done, but because of His mercy, because of His own pity and mercy, by the cleansing birth of the new birth, regeneration, and renewing of the Holy Spirit. But for this Savior, I wish we could have read this in three and other languages. And as you get the meaning, you see what the Savior has done for us. Our life was rotten and decayed. And you know, when something is decaying, I'm sure we all know fruits. If an orange is decaying, even if you put it in the fridge, it will only slow down the decay. If you open your fridge, once it's decaying, it will what? It will decay. That was where we were going. But when Christ comes in, that corrupted life is turned and made anew. That is what the Savior has done for us. Hallelujah. So that corrupted life, He halted it by that precious blood that He shed for us. The other area the Savior has delivered us is from death, which we are all scared, even though it will happen. In Hebrews chapter 2, verse 14 to 15, the death will come, but the stink of death has been taken away. And that is what, again, our Savior has done for us. Hebrews chapter 2, verses 14 and 15. Since therefore... These his children share in flesh and blood, in the physical nature of human beings. He himself, in a similar manner, partook of the same nature, that by going through death, he might bring to naught and make of no effect him who had power over death. That is the devil. Verse 15. And also that he might deliver and completely set free all those who through hunting, you know, we are all hunted by death. But Christ is saying that because of what he had done, you don't need to fear. If you're only living in him, absent from the body, present with the Lord, that is what our Savior has done for us. Hallelujah. So he's dealt with our corrupted life he has dealt with death which we all fear and he has dealt with the devil 
Luke chapter 4, verse 18. Many of us are still in bondage. But in Luke chapter 4, verse 18, he says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me, the anointed one, the Messiah, to preach the good news, the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to announce the release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind and to send forth as delivered those who are oppressed who are downtrodden, bruised, crushed, broken down. He said he has dealt with it. That is why sometimes, you know, this thing brought about the bondage, enslavement. I do not see why if we say Christ has done this for us, we should allow anybody to put us into bondage. We need to rise up. And be able to deal with whoever wants to put us in bondage. That because of the risen Christ and our Savior, He has dealt with any form of bondage. You know, many people are in all sorts of bondages. You know, can you imagine somebody works? At the end of the month, could be receiving as much as 15000 a month. You ask him the following day, where is the money? Because of a certain bondage. And we try to use grammar and say impulse buying when you are in bondage. This is not impulse buying. 15,000 and there's no one CD after one month is not impulse. This grammar, grammar, let's deal with the blood of Jesus Christ and it will deliver somebody. We cannot be in church or call ourselves believers. And still be in bondage. We need to rise up. Let's get close to the fire. And our Lord says he's a consuming fire. Whatever demon, that lost fire will deal with that demon on your behalf. Christ has dealt with it. We should rise up and say that we are people who are victorious. Hallelujah. Last but not the least, he has delivered us from the power of darkness. Colossians chapter 1 verse 13. We were in darkness. And we all know what the power of darkness means. Again, to press us. To oppress us. To deprive us of our blessings. But, but because of our Savior. He took us from the hands of the power of darkness. Into the power of the kingdom of light. We should rise up and begin to walk in the light. Jesus truly is our Savior. He's our Savior. There is no question. There is no doubt. And I think we should be excited about Jesus. And like I said, I like those northerners up there. As I said, me bought them in my youth. A commental hospital. Me bought that is what Christ has done for us. And this craziness, forget about whatever dents your image. It doesn't do anything to your image. When you are crazy for Christ, He will stand with you. I don't know if we can sing this song tonight.
waya ma yana waya ma yana waya ma of that name every knee shall bow every tongue shall confess because he is truly the savior brethren it's about time we stood up proclaimed it's about time we stood up declared his name and made noise concerning this name because at the mention of that name, every knee shall bow. At the mention of that name, every tongue shall confess that indeed he is Lord. Jesus 
is our savior. Jesus is our savior. There is no other name. Father, we thank you for our Lord Jesus Christ. We thank you for giving him to us. We sinned and he suffered. We thank you that he was obedient unto death. And today we can stand here and proclaim that he is the savior of the world. Father, we thank you and bless you in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.